welcome to another episode of Arte Labore, a Blackburn Rovers podcast from the Lancashire Telegraph. A great week for Blackburn Rovers, back from the international break with back-to-back wins, seven goals scored, six points and plenty to be positive about. Of course, I'm joined by Ryan Hildred to go through all the key talking points. Ryan, how are you? I'm good and positive is the word. So um, yeah, we're filming in an evening, which is is obviously the strange thing. And you're getting my ramblings after work rather than before work. But uh, positive is definitely the order of the day. Nothing can make us not feel positive, even despite this very cold weather. So I'm feeling good. It's been a great week, hasn't it? I have. I've been off today and I've done everything in my power to not leave the house after just about falling out after last night. Um, recording, of course, on first evening. It was bloody freezing at Ewood Park. Why does it surprise us every year about the weather in the UK, despite having lived here our entire lives? We just love it. Like, what would we talk about if we weren't moaning about the weather? We'd literally not chat to each other, would we? We so... could talk about Blackburn Rovers, so let's do that. We could. Let's go. Yeah, do that. Well, uh, obviously, this episode's coming to you a little bit later this week. I was away at the start of, uh, start of the week, so... We'll rewind the clock a little bit and go to Stoke City, which, of course, Rovers won 3-0 on Saturday. It's the first time that Rovers have won four successive away league games since 2018 in League One, the promotion season. And it's 22 years since they managed that feat at second tier level. So quite the feat in in that sense. Um, Jon Dahl-Thomason said in the build-up to the game that he felt the difference between the home and the away form was nothing really tactical, nothing really about the way Rovers set up, but more just the timing of the goals and, and when when they've got the lead. Um, and I suppose if you think of the recent wins, apart from Millwall, they've scored and took the lead in each of those games. And that was no different at Stoke. Scott Wharton head, heading in, Ryan, headed in. They headed a corner into the goal uh, for 1-0. I worked out, I think it's the first headed goal from, like, from a set piece they've scored since uh, Luton at home, Hayden Carter back in April. They did score a second phase corner at Rotherham, if you can count, if you're counting that. But in terms of whipping a ball in, first of all, not not hitting the first man as usually happens with a Blackburn Rover set piece, and someone heading the ball into the back of the net. It was a great header as well from Scott Wharton, really well diverted in off the post, because um, Dwight Gale was stood on the post and he gave a little bit of a gap, and Scott Wharton went and stuck it in there for one nil. Great start. It was, and it took a while for us to uh, realise it had gone in because you get those weird perspectives in the away end, don't you? And I was quite low down at uh, at Stoke, so there was that delay, uh, about two seconds. I saw it hit the post, and then it's like, oh, it's in! And then everyone went mad. And yeah, I'm firstly, I'm delighted for Scott Wharton. Uh, we'll obviously come on to what happened later on in the game shortly, but delighted for him to get that goal. And I noticed with his celebration, there was a bit of a fist towards the fans. And I don't know if that was something about actually, uh, you know, I'm here, I'm still the man, I'm still doing the business. So I was delighted for Wharton to get that goal because he's had it tough over the last year, you know, ever since that Burnley game at Turf Moor where he was left out. You know, it's been a long old year for him, hasn't it? And he's been in and out of the side and, and not hit the heights that we know that he can do. So it was great for him to get that goal. And you're right about Rovers scoring first. And and actually with this game as well, you know, after the international break, Stoke, you know, in some good form as well. And having not conceded for, for quite a few games, was it four or five? They'd not conceded four. in. Beaten in five yeah. coming into the game. Beaten in five, hadn't conceded in four. So that pointed towards the first goal in this game being, being very important. And obviously if Rovers were to fall behind to someone like Stoke with the way that they were playing, you know, we might have found that difficult to come back from. So, to get that early goal was was really crucial for us. And 
you're absolutely right. Look what happens when we put a bloody corner into the box. Just play it in. And I think it was... Don't make why me they let... Lou Williams clip out on you. <laughs> How are they letting Scott Wharton um, just seemingly just roam in just as he did? It was a great delivery from, from Moran. And yeah, as you say, what a header and the perfect start for Rovers. Yeah, absolutely. And they had had a few chances just beforehand. Smodics had gone through and, and lifted one just over... Uh, over the goalkeeper, but wide of the post. So they'd, they'd given an early warning shot and started quite well. And Walstead made one good save shortly after that, um, just before the defensive reshuffle, Daniel Johnson firing across goal, well tipped round the post. Then, of course, Scott Walton collides with, I think it was Dwight Gale, has to go off injured. Travis goes to right back. James Hill moves across. And then all the tempo just fell out of the game. It was really weird. The first 15 minutes was really entertaining. And then the next sort of hour was so dull. It was unbelievable because Rovers, and it's it's not a strategy we've seen very often from them at all, just completely sat off Stoke and let them have the ball and went, go on then, break us down. And Stoke, Stoke weren't good enough. Stoke didn't have the players to do it. They didn't have players that could beat them in one-on-one situations. I thought Hayden Carter and James Hill defended their box exceptionally well, whether that was up against Gale, whether it was up against Wesley later on. And... When you look back and you think for the amount of possession Stoke had, which I think was something at six, like 65% by the time that the game finished, they just created very little. Other than that Wallstead save shortly after the goal, I can't think of much more he had to do that wasn't you know very, very routine. There's nothing that springs to mind. And it's nice to see a different approach from Rovers in terms of being capable to sit in your shape, not fly out pressing the centre-halves and the holding midfielder, Ben Pearson, who was basically playing as the deepest midfielder, letting teams come onto you, having the bravery and also the belief to sit in that structure. And they did that really well. And, and as I say, Stoke created nothing. They signed 19 players in the summer. They looked like they needed 19 more based on that performance. But from a Rovers perspective, a different way to win a football match, which we haven't seen from them really this season, because that's just not how they've generally approached matches. Yeah, and that was my overriding assessment at full time. And, and, you know, we'll come on to what happened later in the game. But um, we've seen a lot of swagger this season. We've seen Rovers blow teams away. We've seen the attacking football, particularly away from home. Um, we've seen lots of stuff that we've got excited about. And and that's how I read it as well, Elliot, that I was really delighted to see us dig in in that way. And I think it was intelligent from Thomason because I think that Wharton injury shook us up a little bit because that took a reshuffle. Uh, and Stoke were looking dangerous down both flanks, actually. Um, you know, down the, the right-hand side, um, it was Leris, wasn't it? The the lad down the right-hand side. He was getting forward a lot down the right. Then down the left-hand side, the um, the Korean lad, Bay, he was called, wasn't it? I can't remember his full... Jung-ho. Um, Bay Jung-ho, that's Bay it. That's it. Um, Yun-ho, not Bay, sorry. Um, Yun-ho down the left-hand side. And then Ender Stevens getting forward as well. They were starting to look dangerous down the left. So I think Thomason spotted that and thought, actually, we do just need to sit and soak and, and absorb. And and to see us do that well was was nice. And to get to half-time 1-0, I, I felt we thoroughly deserved that that 1-0 half-time lead. As you say, we had the Smodic chances. We took the early lead. And, and overall, we were looking really solid. So for me at half-time... I was sat there thinking, yeah, this is this is well-deserved and, and nice to see that side of Rovers because that Wharton injury was unfortunate. And and just a word on him, again, I'm, I'm gutted for him because you get the goal to put Rovers 1-0 up. This is a chance to then grow and grow and grow from that point. He has to go off and it's just like, oh, and then he obviously misses the next game against Birmingham. So it's just another thing to 
to stunt his momentum and prevent him getting himself in the side and actually making it a difficult choice when Dom Hyam's back. So I feel gutted for Scott Wharton that he had to go off, but delighted for the lads that the, the way that they adapted to that. And, and fair play to Lewis Travis slotting in at right back, you know, not his favoured position. And and Yunho and, and Ender Stevens, tricky customers down that left-hand side. So I was feeling good at half-time, but obviously knew that there would be some form of response from Stoke. You know, that happens in the Championship, particularly when you're away from home. Yeah, I thought Travis did well again. I thought he did well up against Liam Miller before the international break. But, you know, I probably would have took him out as well, just with the players that were available again to bring Hayden back made perfect sense. And to put James Hill at right back, keep that height in the team, which if not had for a couple of games, made sense. But Travis did well coming in. No no issues, really. Um, and I'd say Stoke just didn't create anything. In the second half, followed a very similar pattern of Stoke having all the ball and just not really doing anything. There was a few times where Rovers had good transitional moments where they could have killed it off, but didn't quite get the pass right. And then, the, obviously, the final 10 minutes is a lovely little flurry to round off the game. Brilliant week for Andrew Moran, of course, having made his Republic of Ireland senior debut on Tuesday and then getting his first goal for Rovers as well. Um, obviously, Jake Garrick, we'll talk about, came on and had quite the impact. His shot, I mean, it's it's a goalkeeping error, isn't it? It's a fumble from Jack Bonham, who just pushes it straight into the path. Well, fumble's the right word of Moran. But he, he's, if you look when the shot's taken by Garrett, he's level with the defender, Michael Rose. But it's... Moran that reacts quickest. It's him that's anticipating potentially a loose ball and he stabs it in for 2-0 and by that point there was more, um, after that goal went in, there was there was nearly as many uh, Rovers fans as there was Stoke fans at that point because the, uh, the ground just emptied at that point. And then the third goal as well. Garrett, lovely through ball, caught Stoke on the counter-attack after they flooded some men forward and Smodix with his customary strike going round the goalkeeper and finishing into the back of the net with a little bit of help from Luke McNally on the line. But his goal, undoubtedly, that was goal number 11 for the season. And just a very good away day, I'd imagine, for you, your boys, and the rest of the Stoke City, uh, rest of the Blackburn Rovers fans in the Stoke City away end. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I'm especially proud of this performance because, let's be honest, it was played in the Rovers' half, that second half. It was, you know, the domination of um, possession from Stoke. They started lobbing forwards on and you're thinking, oh, God, 1-0. You know, as a Rovers fan, you're just hoping that we don't succumb to that sucker punch, you know, because just like glaring in your mind. Yeah, something like that. And we were looking small at that point as well. You know, they're lobbing strikers on, they're lobbing physical specimens on. They've already got the likes of McNally on the pitch that when they get in corners and things, you're just thinking that we might be a bit vulnerable. But I've got to say, defensively, it was as good as I've seen Rovers um, all season. I thought we stood up and we were counted and... All of those age-old age old sayings, sorry, go, you know, can you do it on a cold away night at Stoke? You know, that's exactly what Rovers did. You know, let's not joke about it. We did. We were stood up. We were counted. And all of those lads on the pitch, um, absolutely worth their weight in gold in, in that regard. And just a brilliant defensive performance. And when you get that basis right, when you dig in the way that we did, eventually that chance will present itself. And yeah, on the Moran goal, he just missed that chance earlier on, which we were right behind where we were sat. Yeah, it was a, it was lovely, a, bit of a... Uh, lovely turn in the box to get half a yard. Yeah, and he just didn't quite connect with it right. He's kind of... He didn't want to hit it like that, I'm sure. I think he was more aiming for that top left corner rather than where he actually placed it, which was more central. So you're thinking at that point as a Rovers fan, you're like, oh, is that the chance to seal the game? But Jake Garrett, yeah, what an impact he made. He looked really bright, really intelligent, just floating about, particularly uh, around that right channel, wanting the ball. That's what you want from your subs. You know, you want them to be coming on 
and making that positive impact. And he was very proactive, wanting the ball. And look what happens when you have a shot. You know, you have a shot on goal, you test the keeper, and sometimes these things happen. As James Hill found out against Birmingham, as we'll talk about, you you know play the lottery, sometimes you win. So poor goalkeeping. Moran's not hit that the way that he wants to either on that rebound, but it goes in. You know, he stabbed it in and... Yeah, the scenes in that away end were, were absolutely rapturous. And that's when you know that the game's won at that point, I think, even though as Rovers fans, we probably weren't really thinking that the game was won at that point. And then, yeah, the Smodic goal, overriding feel it or two feelings. Firstly, that lad led from the front in every sense uh, away. He's at not Stoke. a luxury player, is he? You find that He's with not. a lot of players that are sort of... I think you could say, for example, I think Arna Sigurdsson's a little bit of a luxury player, for example. Yeah. We saw that a little bit last night. Um, but... Smodic's just the, his work rate, his pressing. He's, you know, he's an asset for his defensive skill set. Never mind the goal oh. and the the assists that he's creating. He is an absolute grafter, and to be honest, I don't know how he does it because he's doing it for the full ninety minutes and stoppage time as well. So he is a grafter first and foremost, and then just the little bits of quality that he brings on the pitch as well. Particularly in the first half, the little flicks around the corner, the link up of the play, you know, all those things. Really intelligent footballer, and then. The finish when it came, you know, that's not easy. You know, running through on goal, through got a half, lot of time to think about what he's going to do. A lot of time to think. It. Yeah, that's it. A lot of time to think. Missed chances. You've got big centre-backs bearing down on you. No doubt he's absolutely knackered and he's not got that half yard of pace in his legs. But somehow he keeps control of the ball. At the time, I was like, why the hell are you going around the keeper? I thought he was just going to slot it in. But who's to doubt Sammy Smodic? He knows what he's doing. And round the keeper, 3-0. That's it, and and what an away day, and it was just a joy to be a part of that away end on Saturday. It was um, magnificent, and I've got to say, it was freezing on Saturday. We'll probably compare notes on how cold it was against Birmingham, but um, I told my two lads it was their first time at Stoke. I said, wrap up warm, put the layers on, because you will not know how cold it is at Stoke, and that did come true. It was cold. It Let's was make cold. no mistake about it. But yeah, perfect, uh, perfect warming of the cockles, so to speak, with that, and. Just a, a performance of pride. You know, we've not had too many shots on target. We've not had that much possession. But we've dug in. We've stood up. We've been counted. And when the swagger was needed at the end of the game, we've delivered on it. So, perfect. Just what a performance. There's not much more to say about that, is there? Nope. That seems like a good place to leave it. Let's go to Birmingham last night as we record. A very tight first half. I thought Rovers started the game well. I thought they were the better side in the opening 15 minutes. And then the injury to Tyrese Dolan just punctured any sort of rhythm and momentum that they had in the game and game got a bit scrappy there was a few niggly fouls a couple of players getting treatment and that sort of gave Birmingham a route back into the game um Siriki Dembele looked like their best player from from the first kick and he gave Travis quite a difficult evening Trav could have got booked quite easily in the first couple of in the first minute pretty much where it where he brings him down and did eventually get booked later in the game but yeah the Dolan one it's just a, another big. It's just another potential blow for Rovers. As we record on Thursday, we're, we're waiting to find out the full diagnosis on the knee injury and what sort of damage there is, or hopefully not so, which we'll find out on Friday um, in the pre-Sheffield Wednesday press conference. But it didn't look great. Any sort of injury for Rovers at the minute doesn't look great, but when it's a knee problem and you sort of go down and try it, he tried it again, didn't he? And just wasn't moving freely. So that's a big blow for Dolan as well as Rovers. Yeah, it is. And, and at the time and first viewing, it just looked awkward. Um, and he obviously stayed down. And I think when you stay down, I think that's the telltale sign. And do you know what? Fair play to him for for trying and, and trying to work it off. But 
seemingly, um, you know, it's it's not a good injury. So we just got to hope and pray it's not as serious as as it possibly could be. Um, you always win uh, when it's the knee, don't you? It's the knee. So it appears like it's not obviously ACL or anything like that, but maybe it's maybe it is some of those other knee ligaments that you've got where you can be, you know, out for, ligaments. Yeah, just those. So a real shame for Dolan as well, because like what I was saying about Scott Wharton, you know, for Scott Wharton to get the goal and then get the injury, Dolan been very open about his mental health and for me played himself back into the side. I think he's contributed more. I think he's looked strong. I think he's looked quick. And I think he's played that false nine position really well and been the perfect foil for Sammy Smodic. So for him to then stunt his progress, it's a real shame for him as well. So, um, yeah, this game, Elliot, it, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Swansea at home where we came out the blocks really quickly and I'm sat there against Swansea thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to win this today. We're looking really shit hot. And then we just seemed to lo- lose our way in that game and obviously Swansea get the goal. Just felt similar last night that we started really quickly, looked like we were going to get ourselves in front, lost our way again. And I think the only difference is it's 0-0 at half time. That's literally the difference for me. Do you know what? I'd not thought about that one bit and that's a really, really good comparison and a good uh, good, um, good bit of analysis from you, uh, Mr. Hill. It happens every now and again. It does, the, you know, they say a broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day, don't they? So, uh, no, that is a very fair point. And the only difference you said, I, I would agree with that, is that obviously Dembele did hit the bar and they did have chances. Rovers had a few opportunities as well. Callum Britton testing the gloves of John Ruddy just before half-time. But I think at, at, at nil-nil in the freezing cold, if anyone, I don't think anyone was expecting a six-goal thriller in the second half. But that that was exactly what we got. And <laughs> the game just exploded into life after half-time. I think the change made a difference. And I think it was logical to take Travis off on a yellow card against Dembele, move Britain to right-back. As much yeah. for Britain as anything, because I didn't think he was offering a lot at all offensively, particularly on the... I don't really know why he was on the left. I got, I understood why he was against Stoke, because that was a ploy to try and mark Hoover out of the game a little bit, but neither Drama or Buchanan are particularly attacking fullbacks, so I didn't, I didn't really understand the point of playing him on the wrong side, and it wasn't working regardless. With, with Pickering's not the most adventurous fullback, is he, either, so didn't really mm. work. So moving it around, bringing Sigurdsson on, I thought Sigurdsson had a positive impact particularly mm. in that 15 minutes. But obviously, Sam Smodix, the man, the match winner, brilliant finishes. The first one, great pass from Adam Wharton, defence splitting ball to put in clean through. Lovely dink over the goalkeeper. I'm not sure Ruddy needs to come flying out like he does, but it helps make Smodix mind up for him, and it's a great finish. The second one's even better, threaded through by Leonard, and he's got a shorter sort of space between him and the goalkeeper to get it up and back down again. Lovely composure. And obviously, he signed a new deal this year. He's had an extra year onto his contract. I'm sure he's had a little bit of a wage hike as well, given the performances. And he's thoroughly deserved it. And he has been a sort of massive success story of Rover's recruitment. I-, I tweeted earlier in the week that there was quite a few question marks when they signed him because it wasn't a insignificant fee. Bradley Dack was just getting back from injury, obviously a massive fan's favourite. And where was he going to fit into the team? Then he doesn't get off to the greatest of starts. He's in the under-21s at Christmas. But in this calendar year, he has been nothing short of exceptional for Blackburn Rovers. He put his hand up this season with Bradley Dack being released and with Ben Brereton Diaz leaving. And to have scored 13 championship goals before the end of November is a fantastic achievement. I don't think he's ever hit double figures in the championship before, never mind before Christmas. So I, I think that he's thoroughly deserved his new contract. It's great that Rovers have tied him down to an extra year. 
they, they probably didn't need to in terms of it wasn't an urgent one because they were it was 2025 plus an extra year so they still got two and a half years anyway now he's, they've got three and a half years they can potentially um keeping uh, well four and a half years they can keep him tied down to so that's really good news for the club um and great that he took the goals in the manner he did and, and Rovers came out the traps mm. flying yeah, I'll just start with a new contract and then go back on to the game. Um, I can understand why we've done the contract, actually, because I think the um, the Ben Brereton-Diaz one in particular, I think will haunt Rovers for quite a long time, that for whatever reason, we've not been able to get him on the type of deal that you know we get him for longer when he is in his red-hot form. So for whatever reason, that two and a half years that you spoke about previously, maybe we felt a bit vulnerable, maybe we felt a bit exposed. So Tying him down now. Well, if he bangs in another few goals, then like between mm. now and the end of the season, he'd say he gets 20, then suddenly the wage. Yeah. Then you probably do need to look at renewing with one yeah. year left plus an option. Yeah. And then maybe he wants more wages. Maybe there's more clubs sniffing mm. around in the summer. So maybe it was just the right time to just prevent any issues further down the road. I think so. And I think we've been burnt, haven't we, in recent years? You know, I've mentioned Ben Brereton Diaz there. You know, we've got Lenihan, Rothwell, um, others that have left the club where we have been burnt. So I think that that will have a lasting impact actually on the recruitment department and where they can be proactive and positive and get things done early, they will do it. So, yes, it might not make sense because the likes of Ty Dolan are out of contract sooner. I'm fully supportive of the decision that you tie down, you know, someone who is in red hot form and reward them. Uh, with that contract. So he fully deserves it because tough time for him to come in. And I think he has got his just rewards here because, yeah, tough coming to a new club and then going into the under-21s. He will have heard all about Bradley Dack and Ben Brereton Diaz and know that they are big characters. He's a big character himself. You know, you don't make it as a pro like Sam Smodic if you don't have self-confidence and self-belief. So he will know that he has got something to do to show himself and what he's about. But you've got to say, yeah, the calendar year, um, I think the kind of breakthrough moment, if you want to call it, was obviously that goal at Bramall Lane uh, in the FA Cup um, quarterfinal. Um, but he, he was doing it before that, you know, in terms of the work rate and things. We had the Leicester game and, and other things as well. So I think this is a story about someone who, when you work hard, when you listen to the manager, when you take on board the instructions... We're seeing it full case in point now. And he is every bit the team player that Rovers needs at the moment. And I said on the last podcast, being greater than the sum of your parts, Sam Smodic is a player on the pitch that allows Rovers to be greater than the sum of our parts just through the work rate and the effort that he gets in and crucially the goals which he's doing. So for me, fully deserved contract, absolute fans favourite now. You know, we were looking for the talisman. We were looking for the hero when Brereton Diaz and Bradley Dak, uh, Dak left the club. He's here now, the number eight, and yeah, we get a few more years to see him. And I just think he's going to keep getting better and better because he's just the model professional. So yeah, perfect decision from Rovers and, and one we can all be delighted about. Going back to the game, um, you mentioned the uh, the Callum Britton chance in the first half. I actually think that was an outstanding save from John Ruddy. Yeah, it was record. a good save. I, I just wanted to make that point. I thought it was an excellent save. Um, but yeah, going into that second half, when you know you've had a lacklustre um, first half performance, you need a response. So JDT, whatever he said, whatever he's done, the tweets he's made with the formation with Britton and Sigurdsson, as you say, the instructions that he's given to the team. I think I heard him say after the match, play quicker. Sounds very simple, but play quicker. Boy, what a response did we get. And yeah, the through ball from Adam Wharton is, um, is fantastic. And Sam Smodic, I don't know how he does it. He has just got this knack 
of being able to get on the last man. I don't know what it is, but so say he's not he, playing up front as well, so he's not like playing on the shoulder. It's deep yeah. runs, like he's coming from deep. But the amount of times we've seen him scampering in behind onto a pass, oh. whether it's Moran mm. against Pre- uh, the Moran ball from against Preston, for example, mm. obviously Wharton puts him through for this one. He's just a man playing in comedy. He said he's playing his best football of his career, and mm. you can tell that those were confident finishes, weren't they? He ha- yeah, he's got an unbelievable ability to time that run. I don't know how he does it, um, but yeah, and the two finishes absolutely epitomise a, a man in form and a man in confidence. They're just an absolute piss-take, really, if you just want to call it for what it is. They are two piss-take finishes and uh, a joy to behold. And just on the second goal, I want to single out Harry Leonard. I don't know if you were going to talk about him, so sorry if I'm stealing any thunder here, but I thought he came on and had an excellent impact. I agree. And- He's clearly still growing because the last time I saw him, he somehow looked a bit smaller and not as physically imposing. I thought he came on and looked physically imposing and a bit taller. He looked a striker. He looked like he can cut it at championship level. And I thought he came on and offered us a real presence, a real impact. And the assist is fantastic. You know, just a couple of little quick touches in there and that ball through for Smodich. I don't mind Harry Leonard if he's not getting to the numbers that Sam Smodich is, if he's going to be the provider in that sense. So, if Dolan does have this injury that we might think that he's got, Harry Leonard, for me, just on that basis alone, that cameo that he brought, has to start for me and, and be that foil for for Sam Smodich. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was going to talk about Harry Leonard, considering he scored later in the game, but uh, we'll come on to that. <laughs> you can come bit. back. <laughs> I'll come back to it. Um, yeah, it was fantastic football from Rovers in that 15 minutes, an electric 15 minutes, which blew him out of the water. Obviously, James Hill made it 3-0. John really should save it, let's be fair. It's it's a bit of a howler from the goalkeeper, who I thought played quite well apart from that. But yeah, he chucks it into the back of the net, really. Sorry, James, if you're listening, but it wasn't. Uh, it was a little bit assisted by the goalkeeper. And from then on, you're thinking, right, 3-0. Hopefully, jobs are good. And Birmingham hadn't offered, a lo- hadn't offered loads, albeit they looked bright in the first half at time through Dembele. And then they score... You know, in eight, 18, we're 15, or 18 minutes into the second half, and we've had four goals because Dembele nutmegs Callum Britton, and no one really shuts him down and just lets him drive into the box. And it's a good finish past Leopold Wallstead for 3 1. And Rose were really on the back foot at that point because they just didn't hold on to possession. It was that's when I thought they played a little bit naive at 3 1 in particular because they just needed to take the sting out of the game, just keep the ball, just circulate it left to right a little bit, make it a bit dull and boring and just take the sting out of the game. Instead, they went for the throat again. And I know it's what we love about them, but it let Birmingham sustain attacks and because they kept turning the ball over. And I just thought, I looked at the bench at 3-1 when Birmingham was starting to pile men forward and thought, this is where you could do with bringing on a 27-year-old midfielder, for example, or someone like that, just to add a little bit of more solidity in that midfield, keep the ball a little bit, just keep it ticking over, turn it left to right, as I say. And they didn't do that. Walstead pulled off a couple of good saves from Bakuna and then the Jukovic header as well. And Dembele eventually makes it 3-2. I thought Adam Wharton should have done a little bit better, really. It's very easy for him to just jink back inside. And then, I don't know, should Walstead do a little bit better? It's straight down the middle of the goal. It does come through a couple of bodies. Obviously, I'm not suggesting it's a howler or anything like Ruddy's, but I don't know. Just you don't see them go in the centre of the goal like that. It just didn't. It looked a bit strange. Maybe it takes a little nick. I'm not sure. But yeah, it it was it was a poor 20 minute spell really from Rovers from the minute Dembele made it three one to then be three two and and really hanging on for the last you know with 10 minutes to go. You're thinking shit. Here we go again. Is this going to be 
a big collapse. I was joking around with my mate Jonathan last night um, that we started writing the book again, Blackburn Rovers, colon. Why do we never make things easy? You know, the book was getting written again last night because, yeah, at 3-0, we foolishly thought the game was over, didn't we? I bet you thought it. I bet loads of Rovers I tweeted it, it unfortunately. <laughs> so why the hell did When the second one went in, I did get a few responses to that tweet. <laughs> so, who, you know, fool on me and everyone else who thought that that game was done at 3-0 because, yeah, this is Blackburn Rovers and why do we never make things easy? Um, firstly, I, Dembele on that first goal, that nutmeg was as cold as the temperature was last it night. Wasn't as mean... good. It wasn't as good. I didn't so realise how good it was in real time. It wasn't until I watched the replay back that I saw how good that does. It, like, it's so deaf and so quick. I mean, you, you have to credit people when they do things like this. I mean, Callum Britton has uh, absolutely no chance. He does not know what's hit him. And it's just a fantastic bit of play from Dembele. You're absolutely right, though, to raise that once he's done that nutmeg, who's closing him down, who's stopping that shot from going in. So a shame that we've allowed that to happen. And then, yeah, at 3-1, yeah, that happens in games of football. You know, 3-1 and the game finishes 3-1. You know, a team gets a consolation. So it's a shame that we did seem to, re you know, just allow that to happen. And the the only surprise for me was, this, was that Jukovic didn't score that header. Um, I thought he, he should have scored that um, to obviously make it 3-2 earlier, which would have made it a bit more nervy. Um and just on on the uh, the second goal for Birmingham, I do think Walshtet should have saved it. Yes, maybe it's got a little nick, but you know he's not made a big dive either way. Um, it's still down the centre of the just goal. Probably so goes over he, him. It's just a bit weird. Yeah, optically, he can quite look right. Yeah, he can still make that adjustment for me and, and tip it over the bar. So it's just another one where you're thinking mm, Walshtet. However, I'll give him his due. I think overall he was okay in the game. There was um, a moment in the first half in particular where Trav sold him a kipper yeah. with that back pass. And I thought Walshtet did very well on that. Um, so, you know, that was probably the only blot on the copybook for, for Walshtet there. And yeah, 3-2, it's just like, please no. Because, yeah, like I don't think Birmingham ultimately deserved the three goals that, that they potentially got there. And But that said... That 15-minute spell that Rovers had probably was the only spell, apart from that first spell that we spoke about, where Rovers ultimately looked dangerous. So it was a strange one. And as you say, no one expected the six goals. But the only way I was responding at that point was with fear and panic. And I'm please, hell no. There was no like tactical analysis here. It was just bloody hold on. You know, that's all it was. Get away from the goal. <laughs> yeah, get it clear. Get rid. So... Bit of naivety. Maybe that's some of the youth in the squad. Don't know. Maybe that's missing Dom Heim on the pitch. Don't know. You know, who knows what the reasoning is, but it was frustrating that we let ourselves into that position, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd say so. Once they got it to 3-2, Birmingham didn't really create anything. There wasn't really the barrage of pressure I thought was going to come. It was Obviously, there was a bit of tension in the air. And I thought, in fairness, I would say, I thought the home fans really started digging in at that point. There were, there were a few mo poignant moments where you could tell that the fans were trying to back the team, trying to give them that yeah. shove over the line. And they did eventually get it through Harry Leonard. Morin feeds him on the right side of the box. Lovely shift across just to get off the yard and fired into that far corner. And I really like Harry Leonard. I think that he mm. is Blackburn's best striker. I think his hold-up play to say he's 20 is excellent. I think he's definitely the best at holding the ball. I think he's better than holding the ball than Sam Gallagher is, for example. Gallagher's obviously a lot older and he's, he does have those raw attributes, but He's really struggling with injuries at the minute. Whereas Leonard's, there's a vacancy there. Go and grab it, mate. Go and go and make mm. yourself Blackburn's number nine because 
Dolan's obviously not a number nine even when he's fit. And and I think Leonard, I think he he's he's got all the raw attributes to really, really thrive at championship level. He's not going to score your 10 championship goals, 15 goals at the moment. That's fine. Smodix can do that. But I think yeah. he's got the raw ingredients to do everything that Thomason wants in a striker. And I do think the goal... He gets himself in the right sort of areas. He just sort of snatches at the chances sometimes. So that that but that bit will come. That comes with experience. That comes with age as well. He's only twenty, and to say he's only been in the first you know first team setup for basically this calendar year. But in terms of start, you know, he'd not started a championship game before this season, and then has started like five or six, whatever it is. Mm. So that's a big show of faith from Thomason in his development because Rovers were crying out for a striker last season and Thomason was pretty adamant he wasn't going to start him because he wasn't ready. So he had mm. a big pre-season and, and I like him and he played, he played for, he got 75 minutes pretty much and I think he makes a big impact and I, I thought he was in great form before he got that little calf injury that sort of has, has kept him out of the team. And then Dolan's obviously kept him out of the team from then. So the most minutes he's played since the Ipswich game away from home, which I thought he played really well in. Um, he obviously played really well against Sunderland as well, the game before that where he scored. So I would like, you know, if Dolan is out, I definitely would be giving that shirt to Harry Leonard and letting him have a run. Hmm. The key metric for me with Harry Leonard is every time I see him, he gets better. Um, and I see a different facet to his performances. So um, the Swansea game, for example, I think it was, or it might have been a previous home game. I saw him come on and run channels and, and look really strong. Yeah, he had a couple of chances at Swansea. That's it. So that's something I saw in that game. This game last night, he came on, he looked physically strong. He was holding the ball up. He's being creative for Sam Smodic. So there's all these different bits that I'm seeing with Harry Leonard every time I see him. And when I saw him for the first time, uh, Huddersfield away last season when he made his debut, you could just see it straight out. He was fox in the box. He wants to be in the box. He's anticipating the ball. He's got that natural striker's gift. And that is the stuff. You know, you're not going to get a better coach than Denmark's joint top scorer. Someone like Yondal Thomason that's been there, done that, got the T-shirt at a very high level in football. I've got no doubt Thomason is teaching him and showing, showing him the way. And he's got him under his wing. Um and I've got to say on the goal as well, I think the three lads involved in the goal, for me, it was an intelligent football goal. So firstly, from Sigurdsson, you know, he's got a couple of choices out on that left wing. He can either drill it into the box where Leonard is, but actually spots where Morin is in that space. And I thought that was a really intelligent pass uh, from Sigurdsson because he could have easily just put that into the box because he knows Leonard's there, but he spotted where Morin was. Secondly, then Morin, just to stay calm in that moment and just he hesitates just slightly. Well, he was really good again last night, Morin. Exactly, yeah. And we should talk about him in a moment and his goal involvements and things because I think he deserves, you know, just a bit of focus. But for me, Morin, he just waits enough for then the third thing to happen, which was Leonard. If you spot his movement, he goes in and then comes out. And that intelligent movement that he does, it creates the space for himself. And then the finish just says everything for itself, just arrowed into the corner. What you want from... Uh, from your striker and brilliant for Leonard to score in front of the Blackburn end in that way. Um, is that his first goal at the Blackburn end after missing some chances there? I need to try and think about scored that. Against, uh, scored against Sunderland, which was in front of the away end. Scored against... West Brom on the opening day. West Brom on the opening day, which was the Darwin end as well. So yes, I believe so. So he's had some moments at the Blackburn end, hasn't he, where he's missed some chances. Yeah, he's tried um, to so couple wide from sort of yeah. that right, right hand side. There was one against West Brom, there was one against Swansea as well, in particular, pretty similar mm. chances. 
So for him to get the goal, I'm, I'm delighted for him. And do you know what? Harry Leonard, you know, he's on three goals now, three league goals. You know, we're nearly halfway through the season. I'm sure that if you'd done a poll of Rovers fans before the season, let's say he doubles his tally from here and finishes with six or seven, I think Rovers fans would have taken that before the season started. Harry Leonard to get seven goals at 20 years old and his first championship breakthrough season, arguably. So I'm delighted. And as I say, he's just getting better every time I see him. Yeah, he's doing fantastic. Let's look ahead to the weekend then, Ryan. They play Sheffield Wednesday away. A really good opportunity to get six points out of six, nine from nine in seven days. Sheffield Wednesday have won one game this season, the bottom of the league, but they have been much improved since Danny Rill took over from Cisco Munoz um, early in the season. I think they've played six games now, won one, but the performances have been a lot better when you look at the underlying metrics, expected goals, those sort of things. They took a deserved point against Leicester City at Hillsborough on Wednesday night as well. And watching the highlights, they caused quite a lot of problems pressing Leicester really while they tried to play out from the box. So that will make it interesting for Rovers, who we know will persist with that sort of style. Will Wednesday try and do that again? Will they sit off a little bit more? I'll be intrigued to see what they do. This is um, on paper a pretty nice looking game and an easy looking game, but probably in the reality, if you've watched Sheffield Wednesday and how much they have improved in recent weeks and the desperate, you know, Huddersfield won yesterday. So that put gap to safety for them is now 12 points. It's probably not one of the better times to be playing them this season, albeit ultimately the home form is pretty, pretty poor. When you're a club the size of Sheffield Wednesday, it doesn't matter how they're doing and, and what division they're in, you're always going to get a game at Hillsborough. You know, they've got a great support. It's a cracking old stadium, you know, the history behind Hillsborough and all of that. So as much as, yes, the form might dictate that it's looking towards a Rovers win, we're going to have to work for it. Absolutely. It's going to have to be elements of the Stoke game, you know, with a bit of that swagger and the stuff that we've been talking about. So, Obviously, you've seen the improvement as well on the pitch with the new manager. You know, all of this points to it's not on paper, you know, a Rovers win as easy as, as one might think and the neutral might think. So I am expecting a really tough game. Um, and we have been to Hillsborough before and struggled and we've thrown away leads there and, and other things. So, yeah, it um, doesn't matter if it's Sheffield Wednesday struggling down at the bottom or Rotherham struggling down at the bottom or other teams that we've faced struggling down at the bottom, you know when teams are fighting relegation and ultimately Sheffield went uh, Huddersfield, yeah. When they're fighting relegation, they come out fighting to to avoid that. So, yeah, make no mistake, if Rovers aren't up for it on Saturday, then we will be punished. So, plain and simple, I'm expecting a tough game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the team because there's going to be even fewer options. Lewis Travis is now suspended after picking up his fifth yellow card. Um, the cutoff for anyone wondering is after the game on Saturday. Sam Smodix is the only other player at risk because Joe Rankin Costello is obviously not going to be playing for a little while. So Smodix, if he gets booked on Saturday, will miss a game. Um, hopefully, avoids that. Travis is suspended. We don't know about Scott Wharton. Maybe he could be back, but Thompson was a little bit non-committal on that last night. Dolan, regardless of what the scan says, is not going to be involved. It's fair to assume. So I think you've probably got to start with the team that played the second half against Birmingham, haven't you? Sigurdsson not coming in on the left, move Britain back to right back, unless Scott Walton's available, in which case you could play James Hill at right back, bring Scott Walton back in and play Britain on the right, more and on the left. You I suppose that's the only really option, <laughs> two options really, it's all they can do. Mm. It's going to be a young bench, she's already got Aitchison, Duru and Gamble <laughs> on there, none of which have got a championship appearance to their name. 
And I think what's come into the fore here, um, obviously we've had some wins recently and, and we're in a nice little run of form, but I think what we're finding here now is possibly what we'll be found out for later on in the season because Adam Wharton at 20, is he 20, 19, to play that many games in a short space of time, some of the other younger lads, this is where you manage their minutes if you've got a bigger squad. So asking lads to do that, this is where I think we'll get found out later in the season. You're right. I think it's ultimately got to be the side that finished the game. Keep playing the lads that are confident, playing in the system that JDT wants. Leonard came on and made an impact for Dolan. And I think you're right. It is the only question mark is Scott Wharton. Um, because obviously he likes Callum Britton having that impact further up, doesn't he? So if he can shift he likes him, in particular right having more height in the team. So if you play Hill yeah. Carter and Wharton, he keeps saying that normally you need four good headers of the yeah. ball and they've been playing with two. And then when Hill can play it right back, they've got three because Gallagher would be one, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dom Hyam would be one. I suppose they're the only tall people missing. But yeah, I, I think it's mainly so he can have an extra bit of height in the team as well. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if I'd, throw, um, I'd throw JRC into that mix as well. I think yeah. he's deceptively good in the air as well. So obviously we're missing him. I mean, what a Wednesday like in terms of set pieces and things this season, is it? I mean, they've not they scored any goals all season, to be brutally honest. Um, <laughs> so it don't really matter what they got, like nine goals this season, I think something like that in what, mm. 17 games, 18 games, Sheffield Wednesday. So they're, they're not exactly mm. notorious in open play or otherwise. I could see him bringing Wharton back just because it's an away game. It's a tough stadium, a vocal crowd and, and all of those things. I think you know it looked solid for us actually on Saturday away at Stoke before the Wharton injury. So I could see him bringing Wharton back and for Wharton's confidence as well, actually, just to show him that actually, yeah, it was unfortunate what happened to you, but actually I've still got faith and confidence in you whilst I'm Hyams away. So I think for Wharton to be on the bench and Travis to be at right back when he's on a yellow card, what does that say to Scott Wharton? Mm-hmm. So I could see him going for Wharton and also to protect Travis because, yeah, we, we haven't got bodies, have we? And we need Travis to get through. And, you know, it's Leeds after that, isn't it? So uh, someone like Lewis Travis might be needed for the game at home to Leeds. Um, so it's it's a bit of a tightrope there. But, yeah, maybe I've taught myself into Wharton starting. So... Uh, Pickering, Wharton, Carter, Hill, Travis dropping out, I think, and obviously playing Britain that further forward uh, in the way that he wants to. Yeah. Rovers obviously chasing a fifth successive away league win. I think they'll get it. I'm going to say that they're going to win 2-0 at Hillsborough. What is your prediction, Ro? I'm going to say something a bit tighter. I think Wednesday um, have improved and Leicester obviously found out the hard way last night as well. Uh, I can see a 1-0 Rovers win. I think we've just seen the last two performances, as much as it was a six-goal thriller, actually, apart from that mental 15 minutes from Rovers, it was like quite a tight performance. And mm-hmm. we saw a little bit of that at Stoke as well. And I just, I just get senses that JDT is maybe bringing up some of this early JDT stuff to get the 1-0s and grind it out and, and that type of stuff. We've just had a few bonuses recently with the goals away at Stoke and things. So something tight, 1-0. Second half, 1-0 win. 1-0 Rovers. That would make a very good week. Thank you for listening. That marks the end of this week's podcast. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast from. And make sure you follow the Lancashire Telegraph at Blackburn Rovers on Twitter. And check out the website for the most comprehensive Rovers coverage this season. You can subscribe to the Lancashire Telegraph to support local journalism. You'll get a better re- reading experience with fewer ads, subscriber-only content, and plenty more perks. 
go to the lancashiretelegraph.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get the latest offer. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Arte Labore. We'll be right back.